Seahawks, man, they suck. And I love to see it, but it's not going to be as easy as that for the 49ers. They're making it hard on themselves. All right, we're going to get into all that and more right here on San Francisco 49ers Morning Show. Let's go. Talk TV podcast. Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the San Francisco 49ers Morning Show. I am your host, former NFL and AFL defensive back, Eric Crocker, and I'm excited again another morning to talk to my people, my family. As you can see, we got the Frontline Sports merch in, at least the hats. We got the hats in, we got the beanies in, man. Let's go, let's go. Y'all already know, hit me. You know, I'll shoot that to y'all. But um, if you haven't already, make sure you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, all that good stuff. Seattle Seahawks, they lost last night. Russell Wilson tried to pull his BS. He tried. Russell Wilson tried to he tried to pull his BS, but uh, luckily they didn't convert on a two-point conversion. I'm tired of these little dudes, man. They're making it sound like this team is going to break up after this year. So... Uh, Russell Wilson goes somewhere. Pete Carroll goes somewhere. And it's crazy because this is the only time they've had any type of, like, legit, like, trouble in Seattle. I mean, like, you know, this far into the season. It's looking like they're going to have a losing season, right? It's it, they're, they're in panic mode. 49ers were like, man, shoot, it's been like this for the majority of the last 20 years. <laughs> like, shoot, we're good. We're good. Like, we know how to handle that, right? Um, it sucks though. You know, it sucks when you are in that state. Doesn't suck to watch the Seattle Seahawks suck. But San Francisco 49ers, man, right now, we're a little hampered. We're gonna we're a little hampered. All right, so we're gonna get into all that. Uh, if you haven't already, underdog fantasy promo code Crocky. I appreciate everybody that's contributed to that and contributed to the show. We got Manscaped. Yesterday was Manscaped Monday. All right, got this all close to my face. Uh, yesterday was Manscaped Monday. You know what I'm saying? Got to make sure you know you're good for the week. You feel me? Never know when things might pop off. But uh, on, uh, promo code Crocky on both of them, Underdog Fantasy and Manscaped. Go to Manscaped right now. Get 20% off on everything in their store by using promo code Crocky. All right. Who's going to Seattle? I thought about it, man. But you know what? I listened to Andy Fasella. I've talked about it. Someone said, I miss your Giants cap. I know. Giants cap, it's in my uh, sports room. But uh, I thought about it, right? I thought about, like, man, could go to Seattle, right? Go to the game. And I've been listening to this guy, Andy Frisella. I've talked to you guys about it, you know, a little bit. Um, you know, one thing Andy Frisella said that really jumped out to me was, you know, people, they overvalue their current circumstances. That was one big thing that he said to me that is like, man, like, Take chances because it legit can get better. Like whatever it is that you're going, it, like you think you're good. And it's like, man, we can be even better. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that was one thing that stood out to me about what he said. Um, you know, sacrifices. A lot of people look at things they do and it's like, man, I ain't go here because, you know, I'm sacrificing. And it's like, nah, man, it's an investment into yourself. All right. It's an investment into yourself. It's an investment into your business. All right. So that's another thing I got from him. And Something else, you know, I was listening to him this morning and Andy Fisella was talking about, like, culture. Pretty much he was talking about culture. 
and how people make certain things seem a certain way that they're not. And and y'all know me, man. One thing I've always tried to do on the show and everything that I have going on has always been about like being a bug with y'all, right? Like being real. And my real message this morning was listening to Andy Fisella and him talk about living below your means. And we all know we need to, but it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for a lot of people and people don't want to, uh, you know, they want to make it seem like they have this and that. And I mean, that's a big cultural issue, right? I was watching, I was on you, I was on Twitter yesterday and there was this rapper. I couldn't even tell you his name. YK Cyrus, something like that. And he had talked about, I saw him a few days ago, kind of go viral for buying these $325,000 earrings. $325,000 earrings. And gosh, that's so stupid, right? It, it sounds so stupid. So I guess Chad Johnson must respond it because this kid made a response to Chad Johnson. But Chad Johnson's like, those same $325,000 earrings you bought, I get something that looks exactly the same for $10 from Claire's. And we all know Chad Johnson, he's he's doing that, right? Like he's been doing that since he was playing in the NFL. He's going to go to Claire's and buy some $10 earrings and nobody's going to question the validity of him because he played in the NFL. So he wear his earrings, however big earrings, he played $10 for him. The YK, Cyrus, Messiah, whatever kid's name is, spent $325,000 on some earrings. And our culture is messed up, man. Like our culture is messed up. Everybody feels like they have to live above their means or they have to show off these different things that they have. And really we want true success. It's not, it's not about what it looks like, right? Like what are we building towards the, the long term? And um, that's one thing that I've tried to do, live below my means. You know who tries to get me to live above my means? My wife. <laughs> My wife tries to get me to live above my means. You know, she likes to get all this, you know, like different stuff and whatnot. I'm trying to like focus on really trying to like save and everything that I spend, I'm trying to really put back into, you know, the business and really, uh, you know, keep things growing in the right direction. Like I want to invest in into frontline sports media. You know what I'm saying? I get the hats. You know, once these hats sell, you know, I'm going to put them back into getting, you know, whether it's hats, whether it's hoodies, whether it's you know, sweatsuits, jogger suits, you know, uh, you know, continue to put back into investing in to the business, you know, getting a new camera instead of recording on my phone, like, you know, just investing in things that's going to, you know, make my product better and not feeling like I have to spend hundreds of dollars on this and that, you know, I could, I could right now go and buy a new vehicle, uh, lease a new vehicle. Right. But I don't, I drive the same 2009, 2010, Dodge Durango Hemi and I love my Hemi, right? And I can easily go and and have go pay $700 a month on a new car or whatever. And it's like, ah oh man, crack you got to live live below your means, live below them. So that just kind of I don't know, it's something on my mind. I was just watching Andy Fasella and listening to him right now. But um we got to live below our means, man. I think as a culture, especially as uh black people and I mean people in general, but we always feel like we have to have these things like, and, and that these things are going to like make us feel better about ourselves or something. I don't know what it is, but uh, live below your means, man. Live, live below your means. Uh, real quick. If, 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 you know, we got the, we got the frontline sports, we got the beanies in, you feel me? $35 a pop. I haven't even really, I posted it on Instagram, not even on the main thing, but we got the hats. We got the cool blue 
You know what I'm saying? Got the uh flat bills. All right. We got the dad hats in both colors. You know what I'm saying? So $35, you'll have to, I need to create a store or something, but you'll have to DM me on Twitter, DM me on Instagram, $35 a pop. That includes shipping. So, you know, Friday I'm shipping hats out. So again, I don't have a ton. I have about six of each style. So six of this kind of hat with this color, six with this one, six with this and this. All right. So once they're gone, they're gone. <laughs> All right. So get on them. Get on them quick. You know what I'm saying? Frontline, frontline sports. I appreciate everybody that has uh, been, you know, really contributing to everything that I'm doing and, and the way that I'm trying to grow. All right. Got my guy right here. Andy Fasella is a beast. He'll motivate you. You know what? And it's not even just motivation. I think, yes, yes, it's, it's motivation, but it's, how can I explain this? Andy Fasella, like he's, I, I didn't have anybody ever, to, you know, to talk to about business and things like that. I've talked to you guys about that. Like, I, I don't know. Everything that I do, it's, I'll watch other people and how they move. Okay, I think I'm supposed to do this. And a lot of it is trial and error, right? And if it definitely helps me from an entrepreneur standpoint on the reality of things and how things really are and how he, like, the real, though, not this fake stuff, the, the fake motivational stuff. Is He probably comes off as a motivational speaker, but I don't even think he's really trying to be motivational like that. I think he's just trying to tell you the real. And whatever, you know, you're going to take out of that, you know what I'm saying? Whatever you take out of it. But that's that's what Andy Fitzell is doing. So I listen to him because he for sure, he's going to tell you the real. But yeah, got the hats, man. Got the beanies. You know what I'm saying? Got the um, uh, different colors. Definitely a billion dollar hustle. Uh, that stuff is coming out soon. You know, y'all keep it locked. But if y'all do want any gear, y'all want a hat, y'all want beanies, whatever it is, DM me on Twitter. You have to DM me. Uh yeah, DM me on Twitter, you know, send me your your address, your, you know, all that type of stuff. We'll get it squared away. What hat you want, what beanie you want, whatever it is, and we'll shoot it. I'll shoot it out to you guys on Friday. But anyways, San Francisco 49ers against the Seahawks this week. It's Seahawks week. It's rivalry week. And I don't care what anybody says, man. Like this game, I don't care how bad the Seahawks are. As long as they got that little leprechaun running around, I'm talking about Russell Wilson. As long as they got Russell Wilson, I am not comfortable. I am not comfortable. I'm not comfortable. With this game, I'm not going into this uh, looking like, you know, I'm not going into this game looking like, you know, oh, 49ers should have this in the bag. I see that one guy. He's like some Seahawk dude. Man, what's his name? I Some other phone. I, the dude, Sean Mills. I don't, I can't tell you his name right now, but you got the Seahawk guy, and he's like, oh, 49ers are going to kick their butt. First of all, he's been talking real bad about the 49ers, real dirty, real dirty about the 49ers. I saw his... Pre, like in in this is is like I don't, I don't know if he's trolling. Let me bring up the tweet. I'm gonna share it with y'all. I I don't think he's tro- like Evan Hill. That's his name. That's this guy's name. All right, but check this out, y'all. Check this out. This was what he predicted before the season. And I, I can't believe it. Evan Hill. That's his name. All right, because I I don't even know how you get to this. How do you get to this? All right, so pulling up his tweet right now. This is from before the season. All right, this is from before the season. We've got the date right here, September 7th. So shortly before, this must have been heading into week one. And these are his rankings. And I don't care who, I don't care what, whatever. There is no way in hell 
you got the 49ers, the 14th best team in the NFC. I mean, that that's bottom three. You you like if if you get surprised by it, which we did get surprised by it early on, like okay, but there is no way the Giants, the Lions, the Eagles over the 49ers, like that was crazy. So clearly this guy likes trolling. And if he's not trolling, then he's just he's stupid. All right, but I'm gonna go with the fact. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna insult him and say he's stupid. I'm gonna say, you know what? I think he's just trolling. For some reason, before the season, with the 49ers having a loaded roster, 49ers favorite to win the NFC, uh, the NFC West, the 49ers Super Bowl odds hella high. But he's like, nah, nah, they're a bottom three team in the NFC. Come on, man. That's a little, <laughs> that's a little ridiculous, right? But don't worry. I got this tweet, uh, you know, I got that tweet bookmarked, ready to go. Trust me. 49ers better beat the Seahawks ass so I can uh, send that out there. I got the tweets coming. And y'all know, y'all know I got my uh, people in trouble. You feel me? So I got that video locked and loaded for him, tagging him. Can't wait. Can't wait. Right. I mean. The Lions, the Lions, we knew the Lions were one of the worst teams in the NFL. And you got the 49. I mean, what are we doing? Like, that's what I mean. The 49ers had a good team coming back. That's why it was so weird to me when the 49ers were losing early on. It's like, man, how are the 49ers losing right now? This makes no sense. But, anyways, back to the Seattle Seahawks. They lost last night to the Washington football team. Washington is, I mean, it's kind of whatever. But the Seahawks. They made it to the game. They made it a late run. And the reason why they're able to do that is because they have Russell Wilson. So when you look at the 49ers game, so you know at the end of the day, 49ers need to be, they need to be on their job. They need to be on their game to really pull out a W here. And it's not helping that the 49ers are missing some of their big guns. When I say some of the big guns, I'm talking about Fred Warner on one side of the ball, who's a defensive leader, he's a team captain, and Debo Samuel on the other side of the ball, who's your best football player. And he's been your most productive and most consistent player on the field. And everything has gone through Debo Samuel. I think those are big deals. I think those are big deals. Now with Fred Warner, that's one thing, right? It's not just Fred Warner. It's Fred Warner. It's Dre Greenlaw. Uh, he, I think he tweaked something. You got Marcel Harris. He's in concussion protocol. So it was like, okay, we got Aziz Alshair and who else? Flanagan Fowles, I believe. So, a little shorthanded, but linebacker, that's kind of a position. You can you can hide that a little bit. You can hide the linebacker position a little bit. What you can't hide, and what's really difficult, is not having Debo Samuel, who your entire offense is going through. So what do you do now? Do you just say, you know what, we're going to shift it, and now we're just going to throw the kitchen sink at George Kittle, and George Kittle is going to really, you know, do everything that we need. I mean, George Kittle has kind of, I don't want to say he's been an afterthought, he had, a, he had a good game a couple weeks ago. Back-to-back uh, -back games that were a little underwhelming. Last game, he had one reception. Shocking. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But guys are really going to have to step up. And, and, and you don't just lose Debo for one game. You lose him for two. I don't care what anybody says. I am always uncomfortable not having Debo Samuel out there. And I'm always uncomfortable not uh, when you travel to Seattle and you have to play them there. Because they're going to get up for that. So everything that we know about the Seahawks up until this time right now, throw it out the window. 
throw it out the window. They were sorry when 49 played them week one. Now, obviously, it was 7-7 going into halftime, and, you know, you had the young kid come in, and he wasn't prepared to play or whatever. But they were sorry then, and they won at Levi's Stadium, you know? So I'm never comfortable when it comes to the 49ers playing against the Seattle Seahawks. It, it just seems like it's always trouble, always trouble. Russell Wilson, as long as he's playing. Now, if there were no Russell Wilson, if it was Geno Smith, which I saw that guy, Evan Hill, the Seahawks guy, I saw him tweet out, Geno Smith is better than both quarterbacks that the 49ers have. That was it's kind of ridiculous. But that's what I'm saying. He'd be trolling. But I'm telling you this. 49ers beat them. I ain't trolling. Well, I'm coming at them. You feel me? I'm coming at them. Appreciate everybody's in here right now. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. I'm going to bring some people on. I want to bring on a guest. Let me see if my guy is ready. One second here. I hope everybody's good this morning. Everybody's having a good one. I am excited about where the 49ers are, kind of where they're headed right now. Let's see. Here we go. Jeff Wilson has to step his game up. Uh, Jeff Wilson, I think, you know, he kind of – he he kind of is what he is. He, you know, Jeff Wilson is what he is. He is a guy that, you know, this is my thing. All right, I'm going to get to it. And I, I went on kind of a rant talking about Josh Norman yesterday, right? And it's so crazy that because any little thing that Josh Norman does, it confirms how people feel about him. So when they when they look at, Josh Norman, and if he gets a pass interference call against him, or he gets beat for a catch, which I think he only gave up two catches in the game, he's the worst. He's the worst, right? This is how this is how confirmation bias in this works, all right, right? So you have Josh Norman. Anything that happens negatively to him in the game, he is the worst. He should not be playing. But look at somebody like Jeff Wilson. Everybody is so excited, so excited to get Jeff Wilson back. But let's talk about Jeff Wilson real quick. It's like, oh, yeah, Jeff Wilson, he's this and he's that, right? Let's pull something up with Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson this year is averaging 2.7 yards per carry. 2.7 yards per carry. Let's look at what he is for his career, all right? For his career. 4.0, 3.9, 4.8, which is good, which was last year. That was his best year. And then 2.7, like, for his career, he's a 4.2 yard per carry guy. Like, he's fairly pedestrian. But everybody talks about Jeff Wilson as if he's just like, 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 oh, my goodness, Jeff Wilson. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, can't wait to get him back. Oh, It's like, he's very average. And the only thing that saved him last year with a lot that he did was he had a big game. He had a big game. I need to maybe go to like his game log or something. Jeff Wilson had a couple big games in 2020 that made a difference. So let's look at it right here. So here we go. This, this is what people are seeing with Jeff Wilson. He had a big game against New England where he had 17 carries for 122 yards. He averaged six and a half yards per carry. He had a big game towards the end of the season against Arizona, 22 carries for 183 yards, over eight yards per carry. And those are carrying his per 
carry average because, I mean, here's in the game, two carries for three yards, three carries for six yards, uh, 12 carries for 40 yards. That's 3.3 yards per carry against Washington, 11 for 31, 2.8 yards per carry against Dallas. 16 carries for 60 yards at 3.7 yards per carry. Last game of the season against Seattle, 3.8 yards a carry. I mean, but nobody looks at nobody looks at like that with Josh with, with Jeff Wilson, right? It's he's so good, like oh Jeff Wilson, like, but the moment somebody like Norman does something that confirms how you feel about him, he's the worst, shouldn't be on the team, worst cornerback in the league. Nobody ever talks about the good, whether it's his seven force fumbles, whether it's his interception that he has this year, uh, picked off a pass against Chicago. Like, you know, at the end of the game, they threw at him, they targeted him. The ball was incomplete. You know, it's like, no, nah, we're not going to give Norman no love. But Jeff Wilson, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, who <laughs> for the most part of his time as a 49er has been fairly pedestrian. He runs hard. Like, So Jeff Wilson doesn't move the needle for me. He doesn't move the needle for me. Yes, you know, he has to step his game up, but he's not the starter. He ain't the starter. So I don't, you know, I don't look at it too much in the sense of Jeff Wilson has to go, like, you know, above and beyond to do these special things in the game. Not really focused on him. But it's just funny. It's just funny how, like, just narratives, you know what I'm saying? Just how narratives work. The narrative on Josh Norman is worst cornerback. 49 secondary. I mean, he is what he is. Somebody somebody had tweeted me yesterday about Josh Norman and was like, man, what did they say? They compared him to, like, the top 25 guys. It's like, why are you viewing Josh Norman in the eyes that he should be a top 25 corner in the league? That's not what Josh Norman is. He wasn't brought in. Josh Norman wasn't on the roster week one, <laughs> right? All through preseason, training camp, all that, Josh Norman was not on a roster. So why are we viewing him in the light of someone that should be a top 25 corner on a team? That 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 person is not out there right now. Not out here. Let me see. Where is that? Uh, I see it right. Where is that? Right here. Uh, all the CBs in, uh, play under these expectations. So how does Norman compare to the top 25 cornerbacks in the NFL? Would you start him next year? And I told him, your first mistake is comparing him to top 25 corners. Norman wasn't on the roster week one. Like, what kind of why, what kind of lofty expectations do you have for him? Just wild. I wanted to bring a guest on. He doesn't even know what we're talking about, but uh, we're going to get into this. Let me make sure that my, my audio is right. All right, I should be good. Here we go. So I'm bringing my guy on. I know somebody said, that's a terrible comparison. You're right, man. You're right. Here we go. Coming on right now. And again, I want to thank everybody that's in here. Got 118 of you guys in here. Make sure if you haven't already, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. All right. Well, I got my guy Jason Aponte coming on. You got the Niner gear. Look, you got the Niner stuff, but you don't got this uh, You don't got this front line sports. You feel me? I was going to ask. I was going to ask what happened, man. Where, where, when, can I get the, when can I get the package delivered? How do I get to it, man? Like, I, I, that was going to be the first question I asked. <laughs> I'll ship you something. I'll ship you All right. something. All right. Yes, sir. But so I came on here one, I started talking about injuries and then I kind of got into like narratives and like confirmation biasness that a lot of people uh, use to work in their favor when it comes to a guy that they like or a guy that they don't like. But first, let's talk about some of these injuries 
are they concerning to you? You have the 49ers, and they're going to be without Fred Warner and Debo Samuel, who really are their best two players on each side of the ball. Well, Warner's not the best player on that side of the ball, but that's all pro Fred. He's your, he's your, he's the leader of the defense. He's the coach, he's the quarterback of the defense. You're not going to be having him in this game. How do you think losing those two guys will impact the 49ers? Well, clearly what Debo brings is stability and and he's the guy that whenever they need a big play, he is their the the rock, right? And but I you know, I, I want to make sure I phrase this in a way that doesn't come off dismissive of him because he is exactly why the 49ers are in the their the position that they're in right now, because every time they need a big play, it's him. But I'm more worried about the Fred Warner thing. And what I mean by that is in that, that place, I don't care what the Seattle Seahawks record is. I don't care how they're playing. That game is going to be close. That game is going to be live. That stadium is going to be alive. To have Fred Warner there and be that stable force to calm things down in that huddle, I, that's the portion that scares me the most. To be able to get guys calm, get them focused on their job, because that place is going to be loud and rocking. I think that, I guess the best way to phrase it is, Fred's calmness what he brings to that defense because they're going to need it. I don't care how this team has been playing the Seattle Seahawks. They are going to find a way to be competitive in this game uh, unless they completely just throw up a dud. And I hope I'm wrong. And I hope that's the case, but I, I think they're going to miss that veteran, like calm down, stay focused. Don't let the block out all the noise type thing. Like, like I, you need that in that huddle in a, in a, an environment like that. So that's what I'm more afraid of in terms of who, who would be the bigger loss, but both of them are invaluable to lose. So our guy Nina Dodgers here says, oh, wait, that's not where I was going. Right here. Uh, there's a storm coming to Seattle. Mm -hmm. If well, that's the I case, so. man, how does that impact the game? You you hope so? So you would rather there it be like bad? Uh, Rainy? I just think weird things can happen in, in the rain. Like, you right. know, I, and and that work for you or against you. Well, I mean, in, in the case of Russell Wilson, what we saw yesterday was he was inaccurate. And that was during no rain, anything like that. Like he had guys wide open that he was just missing. You know, I don't know if that finger is fully healed. Um, he's still doing a lot of the things that he had problems with at the end of last season in terms of not seeing the underneath throw or the wide open throw. Like there's a guy streaking across the middle of the field for a 20 yard throw, but he wants to throw the moon ball. And I don't know why that cont continues. I don't know what the progressions are. And I don't want to keep talking like I know like what he should be looking at. Right. But there's too many examples of him having throws in front of him that he's not taking. So if it's raining and he's inaccurate and he's not throwing the ball and you know, I don't know if you guys noticed DK Metcalf was yelling for Geno Smith, man. And that is a wild thought. That is a wild thought. Geno Smith was Did they say that? Yeah, DK was pointing at Geno, like, get this guy in the game, man, because, like, he, he's not getting the ball. Like, I don't know if you got a chance to see. Like, he walked off the sideline. And this is wild times in Seattle, like, to think that DK Metcalf is asking for Geno Smith, man. And it was a time where... Russ is warming up and Gino's walking over to him like he's the he's the veteran, like he's the the guy who's been in time to like, yo, calm down. This is what like it's it's wild. I don't know what's going on. At the same time, I do not expect Seattle to throw up a dud. But if it is raining and they're not throwing the ball well already in good weather, I mean, I, that'll be fine with me because the 49ers can then do more of what they want to do. I, that, that's just going to implore Kyle Shanahan to not throw the ball more. And if they're able to run, 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 that's fine. The only thing that scares me now is who's going to be that backup behind Elijah Mitchell because Debo Samuel was alleviating a lot of that. Jeff Wilson just hasn't been playing as well as we all hoped and thought he would. Maybe it's the injury. Maybe it's just, you know, it, it is other things. But, yeah, I mean, a, a storm would actually be in the 49ers' favor, in my opinion, because then Kyle Shanahan would say, all right, Jimmy Garoppolo, we're not going to be throwing the ball a ton. And Elijah Mitchell has been showing that he's more than capable um, to, to handle 30-plus touches. So our our guy Gallup says he does not believe that story for one second. It was, I, you don't got to believe it. it. It was on TV. 
It was on TV. The man, <laughs> I'm not making it up. It was during the game. He ran over and he's like pointing, like, put this man in the game. Like, why would he be pointing at Geno Smith when he wasn't in the game at all? Like, DK Metcalf was throwing fits yesterday. Like, that's not me making something up. It was on TV. So when you look at this game, and I might not have you on for the rest of the week, so I want to make sure I kind of get all this out right now. You know, what's going to be the recipe for success for the 49ers, right? If if the 49ers, if I told you right now, 49ers won this game, could you give me a score prediction on why you think they won? Man, score prediction is hard right now, Croc. I'm going back and forth so hard because I don't care what Seattle's done leading up to this game. They could lo- have lost 10 in a row. If Russell Wilson's the quarterback, I'm afraid, right? Like, And, and I think that if you watched the timeline yesterday, right, when Russell got the ball back with two minutes left, Everybody was like, oh, come on, man. And he was horrible in that game. Like, he was terrible. And everybody was like, oh, come on, man. Sure enough, what happened? He was right there with a chance to do it again. So, like, I'm never going to discount this team, right? And to give a score prediction, I don't know. I just know that this game is going to be close, man, somehow. Somehow this team is going to get up for this game. This Something about this game feels like the end of an era for, for them, right? Like, like they're pretty far out of the playoffs right now. They don't have a first-round pick. All of their picks are going to be going to the Jets. But if they lose this game, season over. And the era is probably over at this point. Pete's going to have to go. They're going to have to figure out what they want to do with Russ. Things are going to change. So I I expect them to come out and play well and keep this game close. But the 49ers should just stick to the script at this point. And it should be more strict at this point because Debo's not there to alleviate that with those handoffs, with those tunnel screens, anything that you want to do to get him the ball at this point. Control time of possession. Keep Russell Wilson on the side, on the sideline, on the side of the field. And make sure that Elijah Mitchell continues to get those tough yards. It's just... I just I I get afraid that all of a sudden we're going to see Seattle be Seattle, right? Like I can't just discount them at all. Like I don't care what they've been doing. No matter when they play the 49ers, they always get up for that game. And it wouldn't shock me that this is the week all of a sudden Seattle's offense starts to hum a little bit better. I I just I have a tough time predicting the score. I just I can't do it right now, Crack. I'm sorry. I know that's not the answer you wanted, but I can't right now. Yeah. So when you when you look at this Seattle team, that is kind of, you know, the train is falling off the tracks right now. If there's a you know a positive with this team, what what do you think that would be? Actually, their defense. I mean, their defense is actually not as bad as it's been, and I think that that's the stuff that gets overlooked. Like their defense isn't like over the top great or anything like that. It's very solid, and they played pretty well yesterday. I mean, they only gave up what fifteen points, something like that, seventeen points. So that's that's something that you take every single week. So their defense isn't exactly horrible, right? Like it's not horrible. So that kind of keeps them in games and I think that's where the frustration comes for a lot of Seahawks fans is is if this offense was somewhere near competent they would win way more games because the defense keeps them in games so I I mean the 49ers have the recipe on how to whittle it down and 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 you know wear down the defense you know you obviously can't have penalties you have to keep um you know keep the time of possession on your side and and the the aspect that I really look at when you when you're talking about time of possession is less about physical um wear and tear on on a defense and more mental right like think about on third down you you play defense on third down knowing that you can't get stops they continue to do things that you know the ball's going to be run and you can't stop them that mental aspect it wears on the defense like you're getting beat every single time and that's the portion that the 49ers have been doing so well they've been taking teams out of it because it's like you know you're running the ball it's like when you're playing Madden against your little brother I'm running to the right come stop me 
and they can't and they can't and they can't and then your your little brother chucks the controller and he goes and he runs off like that's what the 49ers have been doing they got to stick to that right now at this point so but i think that seattle's defense is actually a little bit better than people think it is um mm. it's not exactly world beating but that's the portion that keeps them in games like they were in that game you know and i know it's washington or whatever but they they were in that game and that defense played pretty well Heineke hasn't been playing that bad. I want to ask you a question because I saw a lot of people early in the Minnesota Vikings game, and we're going to do a little, a little recap on that. Our early in the Minnesota Vikings game, a lot of people were really starting to kind of get a little antsy when it came to Jimmy Garoppolo. And you had some people that were like, you know, Trey Lance, Trey Lance, right? When you're watching Jimmy go through that, right, and then obviously kind of crawl his way out of it and finish the first half strong, what was kind of your mindset during that time when you were watching what was going on with whether it was the high passes or certain misses or getting chewed out because of an interception? Uh, you know, what was your thought process throughout that time? I mean, I think the anxiety level gets raised up a little bit just because of the game that and the importance, right? So the high throws, they start to bother you. And then the underneath linebacker throw, you're like, oh my God, not this, right? Like not this right now. And I think that in a way, and I want to make sure I phrase this right without it coming out, you know, wrong, either, either way, it probably will. I think that that really helped Kyle Shanahan because he goes to the sideline, he yells at Jimmy Garoppolo, and then I think in his mind he's like, "All right, that's it. We're gonna we're gonna pull this in, and we're just gonna start running the ball again." And they got him back to basics. They weren't so far down in that game where you couldn't go back to the run. And I think that it got Kyle right back to that to that space that he was in where he's like, "Okay, we're not gonna put too much on this guy's plate. We're gonna get back to running the ball." And when they started to do that, they started to control the clock again. They started to move the ball again, and it got them right back into to that spot. So I didn't overly panic. But I did. My heart rate started rising right there. Like I was just like, "Oh, come on, man! Like not this, not not in this game, right? Like don't let this rear its ugly head right now." But hey, in a way, it was probably the best thing that probably could have happened for the both of them. Jimmy usually in 2019, when he threw a pit, was much better on the next drive, right? Like you get the throw out of the way and you yeah. just keep going, right? Like it never really snowballed. In 2020, it wasn't the same thing. But in 2019, that's how he was. And then I think that it really helped Kyle Shanahan refocus, get back to basics, and say, "Man." We are going to take this game out of his man's hands and we're going to get back to running this ball and give him some easier throws. And uh, it worked, obviously. All right, here we go. Our guy, Brad Brown, right now, he says, white nine against Seattle has me nervous. If What, what are your thoughts on that? You know, the white nine, we know Seattle, they want to run the rock. I mean, they got, who is it, Kelly? Who, who's running the ball for? Collins, Seahawks? DJ Dallas, Collins. and DJ, DJ Dallas. Dallas. They don't scare me. DJ Dallas no. as a... Pass catcher, pass he's catcher. solid. You know, I watched him a lot while he was at Miami. But it's not a backfield that really scares me. And I think that's what's the scariest part about a game against Seattle. You look at them, if you just – if you took off the name Seattle Seahawks and, and you just said it's, I don't know, D Detroit Lions or someone or, you know, anyone else, but, like, was playing the exact same with those exact same players, but you said it was a different team, I don't think anybody would be worried about this game. But I think because it's them, it's it just there's just stigma that comes with this of them kind of being the boogeyman of the 49ers. And obviously, you know, last year we were able to get them, but or no, was it last year or the year 2019. before? I think they I think yeah, uh, see, I mean yeah. they just 2020 erased the it. It didn't happen. 2020 didn't happen. Don't worry about that. It didn't happen. <laughs> it, it, it was a lost year. <laughs> um yeah, but yeah. I think we're more nervous about something like this, right? About, oh, the white nine against Seattle makes me nervous because it's Seattle, but not because we just think that they are a good running team, a team that runs a football well, right? right. 
And and if I could if I could assume something real quick, and Brad, you can you can you know uh you can correct me. I think that what you're what you could be more nervous about is Russell getting gaps to run through, right? And if he starts to use his legs to pick up those back breaking third downs and get that first down, that's the stuff that he hasn't been doing a lot. And he tried to do it yesterday. And again, I know that he hurt his finger, but usually Russ gets away from these defenders and he's been getting caught from behind a little bit more from what I've been noticing. So again, uh, you know, could be completely wrong, but um, Brad, I think you're probably more worried about when he drops back, if there's a gap for him to run through and, and if he starts to pick up those, those yards with his legs and sustain drives, that's the start. That's the stuff where you'll be like, Oh my God, they're starting to get back to the things that the 49ers would fear. It, it, I mean, it, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, that, that, that's what I think he means. All right. Uh, I want to kind of get back a little bit to the uh, game against the Vikings, right? And you kind of, what were your thoughts just really on the defense? And how they performed because I thought like at certain moments when they needed it, I think the worst part, nobody's talking about this. The worst unit in that game for the 49ers was special teams. I mean, they gave yeah. up these like gaping kickoff returns uh that were gashing, that punted the ball through the end zone, didn't pin the Vikings back deep. It, it felt like maybe, maybe once they cut the ball around in 10 or whatnot. But um I, the defense. I feel like the 49ers defense and I'm always defending the secondary. I just don't think it gets enough love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that all things considered, right. Justin Jefferson had a bunch of a hundred yard games this season. You know, he, you know, he had some plays in this game, but he wasn't bad. The Thielen touchdown, the first one, uh, the Jimmy Ward just had just a little bit out of position. That's it. You got to credit him and that, that chemistry that he has with Thielen. That second one, Hufanga was just out of, out of place. Right. He kind of just looked a little bit lost. And that's, again, Thielen and Cousins knowing what to do. They had that rapport and and that's it. But other than that, you know, uh, I know everybody's going to harp on, um, you know, you know, everybody's going to harp on, you know, Josh Norman, the holds, all that stuff. Right. That's fine. You know, he punched the ball out, which I know you've been talking about. And it's a big point of emphasis. Right. You know, and, and, that, and everything as well. But I think the secondary did fine. I think that the thing that nobody is talking about this this offseason, I mean, not this offseason, this week. Emmanuel Mosley's been great this season. Great. Absolutely great. And I think that nobody's really been saying anything because you haven't really been seeing him be tested and then nobody, nobody's really talking about him on the other side. Like he hasn't really been burnt, anything like that. I think Emmanuel Mosley has stepped up this year, especially considering losing Jason Verrett. I think Mosley has been great and then nobody's really been talking about it. The emphasis has been on, well, where's Hufanga playing? Let's get more with Hufanga because he has those, you know, nice tackles everybody wants to see. But Emmanuel Mosley's been great, man, on the other side. It didn't seem like he's getting tested too much. I think he's been having a great year. Right. And I, you know, me as a cornerback, I, I see it, but I think because nobody talks about it, I think it's not something for me to react to. But yeah, Emmanuel Mosley, he is playing very well. And I talked about it the other day. You know, there's 64 starting corners in the NFL. Out of those 64 starting NFL corners on the outside, not that's not including Nichols. Out of those 64 starting corners, I mean, half of them you probably want would look to replace. Or I don't want to say you look to replace. Half of them you'd say, I would upgrade from there from the that replacement guy if level. I could. The replacement right. level. And and then you have another, like I'd say, between the top 32 corners in the NFL there there's good ones right and I think Norman falls in between that like Norman I I mean not Norman excuse me Mosley Mosley is a starting level corner on any team on any team there might be a couple teams that wouldn't need Mosley because maybe they just have two good corners but for the most part and I don't know would you agree that Mosley would start 
on most NFL teams. Right. I'd say just, on, out of 32 NFL teams, Mosley would start on, you know, and, and be their maybe some of their best corners on about 15 teams. I was going to say about 16. I would say at least half of them, right? And and then especially considering the draft capital, which is, right, it was nothing for, for Mosley. Like, that, I think that that's really lost on people, too, is that, you know, you a lot of people invest in, in draft and on corners, and, and sometimes those guys don't pan out. But then you find a guy like Mosley who's just – he's playing very well. And and, and a, lot of the, a lot of the talk in the offseason was, well, the pass rush will cover all that up. Pass rush, aside from Nick Bosa, has been – fine you know nick bosa has been incredible but he's had to cover and he's been covering very well yeah but all right jason man i wanted to come on get you on for a little bit this morning i'm gonna get to all the callers matter of fact you know what hang tight i'm gonna get the callers in here now okay. and then if you guys have anything that y'all want to say to my guy jason and ask him any questions whether it's 49ers related or fantasy football because he is go get alexander fantasy. madison to Today, Alexander Madison, Alexander Madison, everyone, blow your fab budget. He's going to be the person that's going to put you in the playoffs with Dalvin Cook out for these next two weeks. Please, I implore everyone. I actually have him on one of my fantasy teams. So. I actually have him in our league as well, too, and I'm getting ready to roll him out there with Austin Eckler for my playoff run. Here we go. We got Jason. That hat is fire. So. Uh, appreciate like that, man. Appreciate that. Forget his, forget his hat. You got to right. come and get these uh, frontline sports hats. Feel me? This way. Got the, Which uh, way? This way. Yeah. The dad hat. The, flat. the dad has the, yeah, the, dad the, dad has dad the joint. Hat. Yeah, right there. You know what I'm saying? Got the cool blue and the dad hat and the red. You know what I'm saying? You guys got to uh, find me on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, just type in my name, Eric Crocker. Oh, I'll pop up. You got to DM me. Real quick. I just want to uh, put this out there because it just came out. Robert Griffin III will release a book called Surviving Washington, and he'll detail what happened in the 2012 playoff game versus Seattle, the medical mismanagement he received, the sexual harassment in the building, and a deep dive into the Dan Snyder, Mike Shanahan power struggle. Um, I'm going to be uh, tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> I might get that. I might get that. Yeah. Everybody thinks that things are like a certain way and things are just so black and white with football. And it's like, man, it's not, man. There's a lot of politics that go into sports. You know, I've talked about even my time with the New York Jets. And I remember all through training camp, I mean, all through, let's go back further, rookie minicamp, OTAs, uh, you know, vet minicamp, training camp, all that. Uh, we have D Milliner. D. Milliner was drafted. He was a ninth overall pick. We had D. Milliner and Sheldon Richardson. But D. Milliner, he was not a part of anything. He was he had a shoulder injury that he was recovering from. And then once he got cleared, medically cleared, he held out to get his fully guaranteed contract. So everybody thinks that um, Kirk Cousins is the first person with a fully guaranteed contract. I think Kirk Cousins was the first person with a fully guaranteed contract that's that big, right? It was like $90 million. But D. Milliner in 2013... He had a what, almost $13 million contract that was fully guaranteed. He was getting wow. all $13 million of his contract. All right. But anyways, the way that roster politics works is with some of these things. If a guy, if a team, if a coach wants you in there or an owner wants you in there, like you're in there. Like you're getting in there. Regardless of what the coach wants or whatever. D. Milliner, from the moment, and I'm not saying that the coaches didn't want him in there or whatever, but this is just how it works. It didn't matter how Eric Crocker was doing. It didn't matter how Darren Walls was doing. It didn't matter how Ellis Langster, how uh, True Font was doing. All that mattered was D. Milliner is the ninth overall pick. He started. So from day one, remember, didn't participate in anything throughout the offseason, wasn't, uh, wasn't healthy, held out, all that. But the first day he signed his contract, starter. 
what I'm saying? So when you look at RG3 and his and how that whole thing works, and there's some other guys too we can kind of talk about how the roster politics, but RG3, the Shanahan's did not want him. And the owner, and this is widely known, the owner, Dan Snyder, wanted RG3. Matter of fact, uh, Mike Shanahan would have drafted Russell Wilson Russell in the Wilson. second round, I believe. Mm-hmm. Right? And then Kyle always liked Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins was there around the fourth, and they are like, all right, we're going to take your guy. All right, so, but R- R- RG3, I could only imagine how it feels to be in a, an organization that are like, I don't, we don't, we don't, the, the coaches don't want you, but we have to play you. So we have to make this work. Like, how does that feel for the player? You know what I'm saying? It's probably like being like a stepson. And it's like, damn, it's like your, your stepdad is like, I don't want this little dude. But it's like, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta work with him. Like, you gotta do things with him. You gotta and work with him because you want to make it work with the mom. So I'm excited to actually, I don't know. Are you going to read this book? Hell yeah. I mean, I have to figure out what happens because there's so much about like, well, Mike broke right Robert Griffin. I want to hear what he has to say. Obviously, there's three sides to the story. There's Rob's side, there's uh, Mike Shanahan's side, and there's the truth. But there's some there's truth somewhere in the middle there. But I'm definitely going to check it out. All right. All right. Here we go. We got our guy, first caller coming on. Our guy, Darius. Darius, what's good, man? What's going on? Top Darius, of the morning, Crack. What's going on, Jason? The party. Oh, yeah. I see you, baby. What's up, Darius? What's going on, Yeah, can baby? you hear me? Yes, sir. Yep. I see y'all, man. Uh, I want to talk about this game, but real quick, since we was on Norm, man, you know, that's my guy. Every I got to get on here and talk about him every time. Uh, so I compared him to uh, Xavier Howard, right? Xavier came into the, uh, the season ranked fourth, the fourth best corner. All the Niner fans were big on him. Everybody wanted him. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, so he started 11 games. Norman has started nine. He has three picks. Norman has one. He has 72 targets. Norman has 32. Completions, he allowed 41. Norman allowed 21. 56.9% completion rate for uh, Howard. 65.6% for uh, Norman. He's allowed 493 yards. Norman has allowed 257. Uh, solo tackles, 28 to 26. Uh, tackles for losses, uh, Howard has none. The boy, uh, Norman, has three. So I'm like, I'm just based off these numbers, man, it's like the dude is, is good for a 34-year-old that was on the couch week one. Right. I'm tired of all the negative. You know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just over it because it's like if you can accept Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback, you can accept – Josh Norman as your corner because we have nothing else. If we did, they they would be playing. That's common sense. Like Kyle is not a dumbass. He knows what's going on. He sees it, but that's all we got. And the man's 34 years old. I'm 35. I can't guard nobody in high school right now. And he's out there with them grown men. So that, that's that on that. Um, as far as the game goes, man. <laughs> as far as the game goes, I feel like last night Washington kind of showed us what we need to be doing. And we already been doing that as far as run, 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 you know, get the dink passes, maybe a bomb here and there. But I understand what the guy was talking about when he said Jeff Wilson needs to step his game up because Mitchell should not be running the ball 30 times, bro. That's a lot of hits mm-hmm. on a young on a, on a young stud like that. And I feel the same. I feel like Jeff Wilson 
we need you when you get in there you need to be like a like pollard you need to be the pollard on our team you know what i'm saying when, when mitchell comes out we still need that that boom 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 get them yards because trey sermon's out now which was that's just ridiculous we're a run first team you got this man out here making tackles on special team um but yeah, if, if, that's if we because can really they don't, get this they run game going, I feel like they're secondary. They don't plan on using Trey Sermon at all. Like, they don't <laughs> Man. Plan on running, running them. So it's like, if you're right, going to be bro. active, you got you to play you special teams. Right. One more thing I want to say, well, too, listen. is, you know, th this is the first time that, that Kyle Shanahan has used a bell cow. And I think it's more out of necessity than it is just, oh man, right. I just want to get this boy to rock, right? Like it's 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 that's the thing, right? Like I know we love right. what Mitchell's doing, but this is the first time that Kyle has to do it out of necessity because of the injuries. And I think it's less about, oh man, Elijah Mitchell's just cooking. I gotta keep getting in the ball. More like I don't really trust anybody else, and nobody else is really effective. I mean, that's why Debo was running it so much. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing, you see what I'm saying? Like, see, Kyle, he gets in his own way because as long as the system is working, he doesn't really look at, you know, the stress level that might be given to the player. It's just like, okay, get in there, execute, get in there, execute. Like they're robots. And, and I don't know, it's going to be interesting, man. Um, Jimmy's going to have to earn his money this week. Ain't, no, ain't going to be no yaks and all this, give it to Debo and let him do his magic. You're going to have to be a real quarterback because you got real receivers. Don't give me, I love Brandon Ayuk. I love Sherfield. I love Jennings. And these guys are receivers. They run their routes well, got good hands. So I just hope that Jimmy can connect with these dudes. And, and man, it's, it's going to be interesting, man, because uh, like y'all said, I mean, they do kind of got our number, but it's a different year this year. I just feel like Seattle is just depleted, man. Like they, they don't even like them sit. Like they don't like each other. Because I've seen that, Jason. I, I thought I was tripping when I seen When I seen them point to the sideline, I'm like, man, what the hell? So I'm watching on my phone, so I'm like, what, what? And the announcer didn't Point say nothing team. about it. Right. Nope. I, I, I watched it happen, too. I'm thinking I'm like, you're talking shit to somebody. No, I'm like, oh why my are you God. Gino Smith? Gino Smith has nothing to do with this game, man. And he has nothing to do with this game. <laughs> hey, you know, hopefully we can get a good sack on Russell and, 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 his, and his finger messes up on him again, and maybe they oh, get him out. I don't know. We're going to need a little bit of help, though. Hey, hey, hey. We're going to need a little bit of help, man. I don't know if we want Geno Smith in there, man. He was slinging that thing in that first game against the Rams, <laughs> and he actually played pretty good against Jackson. But we might want to leave him in there. That's 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 a fact. That's a fact. But, I mean, <laughs> damn, man. Like, we got to get this W. And I like the way the team's been playing, bro. Like, they've been playing with so much heart. They've been out there with so much energy and – Golly, man, like if we can get this win, bro, I feel like that'll help them out. That'll help their spirits out because they know what this means. You know what I'm saying? Like I can only imagine when you get on that field. I remember like, for example, like when we used to play Lincoln in high school, like you knew you had an L coming. And so to get a <laughs> W over that bully, you know what I'm saying? To get that W over them, it's, it's, it feels good. It feels like the Super Bowl. Yeah. But that's my take on it, man. Y'all have a good day, man. You too, bro. Hey, right, Jason, Jared, I love your show too, up. bro. You, you the truth. You, yeah. my guy right here, Croc, for sure, man. Appreciate you, Darius. All right, here we go. About to get my guy Bradley on real quick. My guy Sean says, uh, facts, E-Man is top 20. That's right. I think Emmanuel, Emmanuel mostly is playing like a top 20 corner. And he's not really getting that no notoriety because I think sometimes people just focus so much on 
you know, like the negative or a right. guy that they don't like that they don't. And, and what Emmanuel Mosley is doing is not like splashy, but he's playing good football at the cornerback position. I'm telling you, like, there's not a lot of dudes playing good football at the cornerback position. And I saw one person say uh, Mosley had a bad game against the Colts. I think the worst thing was he had a pass interference in the end zone, which I mean, yeah. the pass interferences have gotten everybody. Like, that's not something that I equate to bad play. But here we go. Got my guy Bradley coming on. Bradley, what's good with you, man? Hey, good morning, sir. Um, I uh, and uh, you too, Jason. Hi. Um, what's up, Bradley? I wanted to uh, I wanted to talk about Elijah Mitchell. I mean, this dude has just been playing phenomenal. And the way that he squirts through the holes and is always getting uh, extra yardage, he just reminds me of Frank Gore. And uh, uh, with that being said, I mean, we should get Frank Gore on our health and conditioning staff. That dude was never injured. He was so healthy for such a long time. So if we can keep Elijah healthy like Gore for a long time, I mean, the sky's the limit for this kid. I think he could have 2,000 yards rushing in one season if he stayed healthy and our offensive line did. I mean, I think Elijah Mitchell is just amazing. I think going forwards for our team, he's going to really help us in the play action and everything moving forward. So I'm really excited about him. I thought he did fantastic this last game. What do you guys think about Mitchell? I think he runs good. I think he runs well, and he's seen the holes well. It, I think, um, obviously, Kyle Shanahan's scheme is set up for a specific type of running back. And if you can just start to do some of the things that he likes doing, or how what he sees in his backs, and you have the same vision as him, then you'll have a great year. And you know, I've seen I see Aponte talk about it like, hey, everybody talks about how well Elijah Mitchell has ran the ball, but he hasn't been the best rookie running back. And Aponte's eyes, he thinks it's uh, was it Michael Carter? Not nah, Javante Williams. Javante Williams. I get those two mixed up all the time because they both went uh, to NC. Yeah, but you know, just in the sense of how Elijah Mitchell runs in this offense, I think you do well. Remember, we saw Alfred Morris run for 1,600 yards for Washington. He wasn't the most dynamic guy, and he wasn't this big to play running back for anyone else. But he fit that scheme. He fit that system and how they wanted their backs to run. And he had a terrific year there, obviously, with RG3. I think Elijah Mitchell is having success. I don't want to say it's all because of, of you know, Kyle Shanahan, but I do think that has a big uh, part in it. What do you think? Yeah, one, one thing I got to say, man, Elijah Mitchell is impressing me because of the way that he's getting yards in different ways, right? Like everybody assumed that he was going to be just this outside zone guy who was going to be big, splashy runs. But then you look at the Rams game, he runs in between the tackles, he's getting tough yards, 21 for 97 and isn't exactly flashy, but it's what the team needs. And he just continues to improve. Who knew that when you gave rookies reps, they get better? Imagine that thought process. So, I mean, it's just, again, it's not taking anything away from Elijah Mitchell at all, right? But we have seen that this is the first time that Kyle Shanahan is using a bell cow, and it's out of necessity. It's because other guys are not performing, and Elijah Mitchell is, right? He doesn't want to run this way. And if you gave Javante Williams a similar amount of snaps, I guarantee that you would see similar amount of numbers. The man's a dog. He leads the league in missed tackles created, and he has less touches than Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell's played in two less games and has 25 more touches there's been games where Javante Williams gets four and five touches a game so that's why hey look I could be completely wrong but this idea that it's Mitchell hands down sorry Chris it's not Mitchell hands down it might be that he's better <laughs> but hands down come on man you can't say that at all man we got to wait to figure that out and when Javante gets it next year you're gonna see and and look one more thing the Broncos foolishly pay, paid a running back and paid him with a second contract. You got to play that man, Melvin Gordon. And on top of that, Melvin Gordon's playing very well. That's another thing you guys are forgetting. 
So it's not like, oh, well, he can't beat out Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon's playing well. Javante Williams is a dog, man, and he has so many 10-yard runs. He has more 10-yard runs per carry than, than Elijah Mitchell does. And would you say that Shanahan's system is better than Pat Shermer's? I would. I mean, so, I mean, again, it's a good discussion. I don't want to get on that because people were killing me. I've never been, I've never been getting more hate than I've ever got just for that one take. And I thought I was just trying to be level-headed, but it's fine. I understand. Elijah Mitchell's wrong, <laughs> and I agree. You are the new Grant Cohn. <laughs> I am. I am. Move over, Grant. Uh, Grant Aponte is in the building. <laughs> I don't know. Grant gets the most hit out of everyone for, uh, you know, his brashness. So well, that's what that's what I was getting. I think that's 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 in response to a tweet that I got yesterday because I, I gave an opinion that, you know, you know, and everybody was like, oh, well, look, Aponte is being a new Grant with a with a crazy take. It's not a crazy yeah. take. It's an opinion. Yeah. Hey, thanks for letting me come on, guys. Uh, I'm really excited for this game, but. I think we need to just get past this game because we got the Bengals next, and that's the game I'm worried about. You guys have a good well, rest can't, of the day. Can't, you can't just get past Seahawks, yeah. though. You can't mm-hmm. just be like, oh, you know, you got to yeah. gotta be all focused in mm-hmm. on it. Oh, well, not you. I mean, I, I not mean, you. But yeah. the, the team. Yeah, mm-hmm. fans, you can look past whatever. But in my eyes, like, I ain't looking – I'm not looking past the Seahawks as if that's just a W because they just have had their 49ers number for the last decade. All right, I appreciate you coming on, Brandon. Have a good rest of the day, sir. Later, man. All right. Here's something, and Aponte, I want to get your opinion on this. What do you think it is? Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo is 31 and 12 as a starter. Please stop saying he's trash, folks. Without Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle's record is horrible. There's a few different things here, right? Uh, Kyle's record, uh, Kyle's record without Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jimmy Garoppolo's record. So I'm going to give you the floor right now to really touch just – Give your opinion on those things. If I need to, then I'll follow up. Right, but Jimmy Garoppolo's not trash. I don't understand where this came from. I don't know who's been saying that. I mean, at wanting to see Trey Lance, and and it doesn't mean that Jimmy Garoppolo is trash, right? right? Like, the 49ers made this move largely because Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't be healthy. And when Kyle Shanahan tells you we can win more games with Jimmy Garoppolo, look what they're doing. That's four out of five, three straight, and Jimmy Garoppolo's operating this offense. Look, you can disagree with the way that he handled this quarterback situation. I do, but I mean, I don't think that he's trash. Right now, he's a starter in this league, and that's very valuable. Trash quarterbacks, I I mean, if you're talking about trash quarterbacks, you got to be talking about, like, backups or lower, lower tier quarterbacks and I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is that he is efficient sure the the one thing I'll say is that it's inconsistent the maddening right this is this is the the Vikings game encapsulated Jimmy Garoppolo's experience wholly for me high throws underneath linebacker interception right in the first half second half he made some throws man and he stayed in the pocket took some hits made some throws almost uh threaded that ball to Juwan Jennings he didn't get that other foot down Jimmy can make throws it's the problem it's this it's up down up down it's never across the board and i think that's a lot of people's frustration but inconsistent and trash those are not the same thing at all so Jimmy Garoppolo is not trash and again they made the move and they tried to get all these other people because largely Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been healthy so i mean i hope i hit on all those points i don't think that he's trash i don't think that anybody should be saying He's trash. The team is winning games. You don't win games with trash quarterbacks. Right. And, I, and I'll follow up by saying this, and I see one of my guys in the, in the, in the comments kind of touch on it real quick. Uh, I'm tired of people using the record to say Jimmy is good. They tried to do that with uh, Tim Tebow. Also look at the <laughs> other quarterbacks Kyle has had, Hoyer, Bethard, Mullins. Of course, Kyle was losing with them. And I'd say I agree with that as it pertains to just the overall record. But, yeah, 
I also agree with you, Aponte, that Jimmy Garoppolo, and I won't say he's trash. I'll just say you got to understand what he is and what he isn't. I think the frustrating thing with you, what you're seeing, or maybe even a guy like Kyle Shanahan, is that you know with him the margin of error is slim for misses. So when things are there, it's like, Jimmy, like you can't miss. Now, as far as the roller coaster goes, he can make throws as long as it's there. I think the issue is when it's not there, what happens? What does it look like? And that's when things start getting weird, as opposed to other guys that when it's not there, they can move around. They'll make a play on the move. They'll still figure out a way to have a positive play. Jimmy can't be that. So it's like when when their play is there, Jimmy, you have to make that throw. You can't afford to miss passes. So I think that's the frustrating part. But obviously, you know, as long as the 49ers defense has his back, when he does have those weird moments, it's going to keep them in games and he's going to make enough throws that can result in wins, which we've seen for the better part of his career. But we got our guy Logan coming on now. Here we go. And, uh, and, uh. Oh, wrong. There we go. Logan, what's good, man? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How about you? Oh, really good. Really good. Really good. Hey, I just want to touch on this game coming up. What is it with, and Darius touched on this earlier, actually. What is it with the Seahawks and just having our number over the past decade? I never get so mad watching a football game, like watching the Niners lose to them. Is it a Carroll thing or is it a Russ thing? And it's just like, you almost feel like... It, it's hopeless going up into Seattle some years, some years, you know? And uh, one of the best games I remember watching is when Nick Mullins beat him for the first time in like, what, three years or something like that. Yeah. Like what's with us in Seattle? Like we can never get over that hump. It seems like, you know, I, I think a lot of it, you could really attest to Russell Wilson and some of the magic that he's made in those games. I think it really kind of falls on that. Uh, he's been someone that again, for all the misses, and I just talked about it, right, with, with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, when Jimmy Garoppolo is having those misses, it's hard for him to overcome that. You look at uh, you look at Russell Wilson, and for all the misses that he had in that game, the overthrows, the inaccuracy, the guys pointing to other guys and wanting <laughs> Russell Wilson to get benched, still was able to lead them down the field on, you know, with very little time left to potentially tie the game up. And that's what Russell Wilson has been against the 49ers, someone that – no matter how much you think he's down, it's just he's never down and out. And I think he's right. he's been the biggest reason as to why the Seahawks have been as good against the 49ers as they have been over the last decade. Right. I've never seen a quarterback play so poorly in, a, in, a, in an entire game, right? And I'm not talking about this past game, but I'm talking about other instances, right? Like that NFC Championship game against Green Bay. He had like four or five interceptions in that game, and somehow he finds a way to win the game. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And somehow they always get lucky. They get a bounce to go their way. I just – it's sometimes it's unexplainable. And this is the, por the portion of why this makes it such a big game for the 49ers. It always feels like the litmus test – for how far the 49ers are going to go is how do you do against the Seahawks? Can you right, can you knock right. them down? And if you do knock them down, then you start to feel invincible. You start to feel like, man, the boogie monster is knocked out. We don't we're not afraid of anybody anymore at this point. That's what made 2019's win so special because I think right there was the last portion of validity that that team needed. And I think that if this team is going to continue on the trajectory that it's on, they have to win this game. And then that'll put 49er fans in a position like, okay, now we're not worried about nothing at this point in terms of who's coming coming up next in the NFC, played the Packers down to the gun. You, you, you knocked out the boogeyman. Cool. Bring on, um, bring on the Bengals, bring on the, the, the Falcons and the rest of this, this, uh, this, um, schedule. And you'll feel a lot better about it. That's what I think is more important about this game. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Because really, looking at the schedule, we're all over the country these next couple games, and they're not easy teams to play against. And for us to get in, I think we do need to win this game. And um, to win this game, what do you think it looks like? Kind of like before, Jimmy G right around 20 attempts. Uh, if he goes over 25, it looks a little sketchy. And um, you think Russ is going to, uh, for as far as fantasy goes, you think he's going to get like 50-plus rushing yards this week? Because it really feels that way watching last game. That last drive, he's like, oh, I could run now. But like, it's just like he remembered it all of a sudden, you know? Well, he got, also got slammed on the shoulder. I thought he, like, dislocated his shoulder. Did you see that when he tried to run? He got snatched from behind and kind of slammed, and, and you see him kind of get up kind of slow. I'm like, damn, did he break a collarbone or something? So, well, like, like Aponte he, he, said, I couldn't believe he got caught from behind. And you're like, that doesn't seeing. happen. Yeah, that's what I've been seeing, too. It's like, I know his fingers hurt, but something else is going on. Like, it's unexplainable <laughs> right now what's going on with him at this point. I mean, but again, all that being said, watch this be the week that all of a sudden Russell Wilson starts to, to play. Well, like, the 49ers can't can't count on his past play to dictate what they think is going to happen in this game. They need to they need to prepare this week just like Russell Wilson was cooking um, first half of last year. And I think that will be in a good spot. Definitely, especially... And watch DK go off because I'm pretty sure he had zero targets till the fourth quarter last night. He did till late yeah. in the fourth quarter. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you you know he's like gonna talk talk to the coaching staff this week and be like, hey, you got to get me involved. He's one of those guys, you know. Yeah. And he Absolutely. owned he owned Emmanuel Mosey what two years ago? Like he had what 14 catches or something crazy? No, uh, no, it was, was it was uh, Spoon. that was DeAndre was Hopkins. Spoon. That was Spoon. Uh, yeah, well, that was DeAndre Hopkins in 2020. But remember, in 2019, Spoon started that game, and then Mosley came in and had that big pass breakup on that fourth down drive. Remember, on that fourth, the the, the last one. So like Mosley held his own a little bit, but in 2020, that was the 14 catch game for uh, DeAndre Hopkins, where they just had Mosley playing 35 yards away from oh, okay. uh, Hopkins. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I never understood that game plan. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, but all right, guys, that's all I got. Thanks for uh, taking the call. Thanks, Logan. All right, all good, all good. And by the way, if you guys don't know, this is my guy, Jason Aponte, on right now. Make sure you guys tune in Jason Aponte's YouTube channel. Aponte, can you can you tell them where they where they can find all your stuff? Yeah, it, um, if you type in Jason Aponte uh, on, on YouTube, it'll pop up. Um, close to 4,000 subs, so if you can help me get there, that'd be cool, man. And uh, yeah, Sprint Ride Option, um, a lot of other things. Um, State of the Franchise with Brad Graham, my fantasy football show on Saturday where I do start, I mean, Sunday, start, sit, questions, all those things. A lot of content on the channel, um, so I'm just trying to, you know, we only get a certain amount of weeks for NFL football, so I try to work as hard as I can in these 18 weeks. All right, real quick. So he is right at uh, near... 4,000 subs. So hold on. I'm going to um, post your, your link. I'm trying Appreciate to that. go click. Yeah. Let's get, let's get him to 4,000 subs. How do I do this? I'm used to doing this on the, Oh, right. On here. the phone. Here yeah. <laughs> here we go. So yeah, y'all go ahead and, uh, you know, here we go. And boom, subscribe to his YouTube channel, man. He's nearing uh, 4,000 subscribers. That's awesome. We got a guy, Sean, here. Jimmy G won 16 games on the back of a top two defense. He was a passenger on winning teams. Certain weeks well, he was. Know, yeah. Let, let's let's get our guy Rich's uh, uh, response to that. Rich, there he what is. do you think about that? Jimmy G was 16 games. Uh, he has won 16 games on the back of a top two defense. He was the passenger on winning teams. What are your thoughts on that? Really, his contribution to winning. I think you're on mute. Yeah, you're muted. 
Rich, you're, Rich, you're, you're muted. Oh, my bad. Uh, morning, Crocky. Morning, Jason. How you guys doing? Good, Rich. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there's something, a little bit of something to that, um, especially in the beginning of the season. Um, the defense was playing top notch. But I think people forget that um, in the back half of that season, the defense started to fall off a bit. And, uh, you know, Jimmy had to really up his game, uh, especially against the Saints. Uh, I remember the Ravens, he played pretty decent. Um, he had a couple of big-time throws there, uh, one to Debo Samuel uh, in the rain. Um, so, so he had to make some big-time throws. Uh, so it wasn't just um, – you know, I, I hate this narrative that, uh, you know, just because a, a, a quarterback doesn't throw 35 times a game that he's not a good quarterback, you still have to make the throws that you have to make. I mean, if you're not making throws on third down, you know, we saw that last night with the, with the Seahawks. Um, you know, Russell Wilson couldn't uh, get off the – or couldn't sustain any drives on third down. They kept, they kept going three and out, three and out, three and out. And it really wore on the defense. Uh, you see, uh, at the, you know, towards the end of the game, the Washington running game was just picking up steam and just kind of running over uh, Seattle defenders. So um, I kind of ex- – I, I would kind of expect the same thing from the Niners, um, you know, run the ball, run the ball, get them tired, especially if they can contain Russell Wilson, keep, uh, you know, keep getting them three and outs uh, like they did the first game. And then Washington did the same thing last night. But um, I'm not I, – I think I'm more confident in this game than I've been in the past with the with the Seahawks. Um, even though they're a division game and they've usually had our number, I just, there's something not right with Russell, man. I, I would be more concerned if, if Gino was playing, but I don't know if it's Russell's finger, but, and then, you know, the other thing is, is that, um, when you start seeing teammates like last night with DK Metcalf start to have that squabbling back and forth on the field, there's trouble in paradise. And, and, you know, that's, I've always said a house a house divided cannot stand. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where it starts to implode. Teammates start to point fingers. They don't play for one another. And it could get real bad in this Niners game, especially if they go up by a touchdown or two and, and DK's not getting the ball. Man, we can we – can, I mean, there's going to be some finger pointing, some backbiting on that Seahawks uh, sideline. So, but um, I definitely got Madison. Uh, thanks for the – Thanks for the tip, Jason. <laughs> um, but I, I also wanted to, to get your guys' thoughts on something real quick before I get off. Um, you know, we were talking about this yesterday about the uh, home field advantage and the mystique, and I pointed out, you know, I think that's a I think that's a, a thing for a while, but I think eventually it wears out. And, and I pointed to a couple of instances, you know, like Lambeau Field. That was a place nobody wanted to go play in the playoffs in January. But when Michael Vick and, and the Falcons went in there and just Good point. Crushed the tore building. them up, it was like the Lambo Mystique went away. It was mm-hmm. all of a sudden these teams went in there and and they knew that they could beat Green Bay just like uh, like Vick did. And and if, so these home field advantages are come and, come and go. And I think we've seen the Mystique kind of wear out at, at CenturyLink or whatever it's called now. Lumen Field. Um, but, yeah, I, and, and the other thing is I was telling them is – Home field advantage don't work for us. <laughs> the Niners up until last week were like hadn't won a play, hadn't won a game at home for a year, year and a half. 
Um, well, they beat the Rams at home, but yeah. Everybody but the Rams. Also, too, one thing that kind of goes into that, remember, 49ers play half their home games in Arizona last year, so that's part of it, you know. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, I appreciate you guys' time, man. Jason, I always appreciate what you do. Keep appreciate up the good content. Cross your life always, man. Thank you for having me on, and and uh, look forward to hearing the rest of your day, man. Oh, by the way, did you get that uh, uh, that camera in, in uh, Birmingham yesterday? Uh, wait, huh? I thought you said you were gonna you were gonna check out a camera uh, yesterday. Oh yeah, I didn't have no your... time to do it. I didn't have uh, no okay. time to do it. Yeah. All right, man. So well, yeah, I will. I will be getting. All right, man. Appreciate you. All right, Rich. All right, thanks. Later, man. Um, if I could say something real quick about the the this this comment right here, um, just because, all right, um, yes, Jimmy Garoppolo and and many quarterbacks need a good defense around them, right, and and to operate efficiently. But I think that there's certain instances where Jimmy Garoppolo lifted up the defense. Um, one that kind of comes to mind in 2019 was the first Arizona game in Halloween. Played phenomenal in that game. Emmanuel Sanders was there. He made some big time throws in that game. The Rams game is another game that you could think of. You know, the, the defense wasn't exactly stopping them. You know, he made obviously whatever people want to say that throw to, to Emmanuel Sanders would have been a walking touchdown if it's a if it's placed in the right place. But hey, whatever, they get the field goal, they win the game. So while I largely agree with what Sean is saying here, um he won on the back of the top two defenses a lot of quarterbacks would have, but that same sort of excuse gets thrown around when Aaron Rodgers doesn't finish the job. Man, his defense let him down. Man, his de- you know, like, it, it, it's a little bit of both, right. right? Like, it has to be a little bit of both in terms of that, right? Like, everybody he else. He has no help. Other, he doesn't have right? the receiver. He doesn't have his help, right? You're like, oh, man, Kevin King lets that catch go in the NFC Championship game. But, like, it's Aaron Rodgers, right? He should be able to overcome that. So, it's a little bit of both in my eyes. Yeah, no, nah, I agree. I agree. All right, Jason, I'm going to get you out of here, man. I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you. And, and you got me to 4,000 subs. You got, yo, you got me over to 4,000. Appreciate everybody Are who you? joined, man. Really? And, and that was quick. Yeah, man. I just checked right now on my, my YouTube studio. I appreciate that, man. It's a big milestone. And uh, thank you guys for tapping in. There's going to be a lot of content this week. So glad that you guys are on there. If you're on there, make sure you hit that notification bell so you know when we're going live and new videos are uploaded. I put it in there again. So everybody, I just dropped it, the link in there again. If you haven't already, Make sure you subscribe to my guy's YouTube channel. Appreciate you, big dog. Appreciate you, Croc, man. Take it easy. All right. All right, here we go. So, uh, was paying Armstead a mistake? Ooh, great question. Oh, I don't... Armstead has been good to... He's quite cool with my son. Uh, but, yeah, so I don't want to say anything negative about him. But I, I would say, you know, I I haven't really noticed him out there for, for whatever the reason is. Now, why? I, I I couldn't tell you why. Maybe he's taking on doubles. Maybe there's things that he's doing, you know, setting edges. He's doing things that are good. But uh, I couldn't tell you if it was a mistake or not. I want to say it's not a mistake. But you would like to see, you know, a little bit more flash from him. Listen to my mom. My mom says, everyone hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. All right. Again, underdog fantasy promo code Crocky Manscaped. Manscaped, go ahead right now. Manscaped.com, everything on there. Once you use the promo code Crocky, 20% off of everything. All right, so use that Manscaped. You see the shirt right here. I got the hats for sale. If you guys don't already, follow me on Twitter, at Eric underscore Crocker. Follow me on Instagram, uh, CrocTime underscore you, but just type in Eric Crocker. I should pop up. And uh, DM me if you want hats. Again, I got the I got the flat bill hats. 
with the red. I got it with the blue, with the cool blue. I got the beanies. I got the dad hats in both colors as well. So holla at me if y'all want some of this merchandise. All right, here we go. Grant Cone, uh, Armstead was, contract was a bust. I, I would say that they probably would like to have Buckner instead of Armstead. You know, would you have, would you take the four, would you pay $4 million more per year to Buckner right now? Do you have that money to be able to do that? I think if you would have known that you were going to eventually have a rookie quarterback, you probably would say, yeah, they, they kind of miscalculated that. So here we go. Croc, when will the has be available for purchase? They're, they're available now. But I don't have a store, so I gotta I gotta set up a store. My website I gotta call the people. My website's done, but uh, what I'll do is I'll end up adding a store to my website, and y'all be be able to put in your stuff from there, purchase it, and then get it. We'll get it shipped off. But right now I'm doing everything manually. So if you do want a hat, DM me uh, at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter, uh, at Eric or type in Eric Crocker on Instagram. It's Crocktime underscore you. All right, that's my name. You'll see blue check. They're both my accounts are verified. So find me on those accounts, DM me, and uh, we'll get you set up. And I'll ship, I'm shipping everything out Friday. But I appreciate all the <laughs> Jimmy G all day. Let's go, Jimmy G. All right, I appreciate everybody that's in here. Everybody that's in here today, 270 of you guys. Hit the like button if you haven't already. I appreciate all the contributions. I appreciate my guy, Jason Laponte, for coming in here and dropping some of his 49ers knowledge on y'all. Again, you already know what time it is, man. We're going to be right back here. Tomorrow morning, same time, same place, 6.30 a.m. Pacific, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. But until then, I'm out. Peace. Hold on. Thought we were out. Got a contribution here. Uh, one on the sidelines, but I, it didn't matter. Average player. Uh. So you're saying Fred Warner is the average player. Hmm. We'll get into that on the next show. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about Fred Warner. I'm going to actually watch some film on him so I can get more of a, a legit uh, take, I guess, on him, a more better analysis on what exactly he's doing or not doing. All right. So uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Fred Warner, what's going on in him? Is he more of an average player? Are we not going to miss him in this game? It's going to be a good take. All right, we'll get into all that and more. There we go. I like it, man. Keep it locked right here. Now we're out. Peace. Intercepted. It is picked off by Aaron Crocker. Over midfield. He'll run it all the way into the end zone. Touchdown. Crop Talk TV Podcast. Peace. Peace.